Welcome to Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. I'm Kent Blanford. Each week, we'll bring you a sampling of some of the best Catholic podcasts being prepared and shared out there on the internet. I don't know about where you are in life's journey, but of late, I seem to be finding myself more and more in the company of littles. Babies, toddlers, kindergartners, you know, and more on the way in our extended family. One of the things I always look forward to with the birth of a new little is their baptism, when they join the family of Christ. Our first offering today is from the podcast series A Catholic Priest Talks About with Father Jack. Today's episode, The Sacrament of Baptism. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of A Catholic Priest Talks About. Today we're going to speak about the sacrament of baptism. So, the Gospel of St. Matthew finishes, and also the Gospel of St. Mark, and the way Matthew phrases it is beautiful. He says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all the commands I gave you. And look, I am with you always, yes, to the end of time. Beautiful, beautiful ending to the gospel, ending to Jesus' ministry. It's the last lines of the gospel. But it's a command. It's the last thing he ever said, but it's a very specific command. It's not just go hang out. It's not like, uh, good job, guys. I'll see you guys around. He gives them something to do. Go baptize people. So, first he tells them to evangelize people, right? Preach the gospel, or gospels uh, from that old English Germanic terms, gospel, good news. So, go preach the Christian good news that, well, what good news? That God loves you, that he died for you so that you can be free from sin. That's really at, almost at the heart of the Christian message. And so, go and do that, and then baptize them. Give them a sacrament. And a sacrament, as by now you probably, <laughs> you're probably tired of hearing, but it's a good definition, it's an old definition. A sacrament is a visible sign instituted by Christ of an invisible grace. Visible sign instituted by Christ of an invisible grace. And so there are seven of them. Baptism is the first one. It's the first one. So, let's get to it. Baptism comes from... The Greek word baptizane or baptizane, which is to immerse or to plunge under. It's actually funny when you look up the word baptism in the etymology. You can even, <laughs> you can even come. Uh, it's probably inappropriate to get into this, but you can even get into the the word that Greek sometimes used it when you had too much debt. <laughs> you were baptized in debt. I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh, and it's probably not important to the to this, but I just thought it was an amusing thing to talk about how how clear the Greeks were of being inundated. And so it's it's the sacrament that symbolizes a plunge into Christ's own death so that we rise out of the water with Christ into his resurrection. It's also like a washing from sin, both from original sin and from actual sin. And so first let's look at water because water is used in the Bible in a bunch of ways as as a tool for God saving his people. And this is important because we look at these uh, uses of God, God using water as prefigurations, right? They come before pre, 
prefigurations, the the kind of a, an image of something before it came, an echo in reverse, right? It gets instead of an echo, the thing happens, then it gets quieter and quieter as it goes. An echo in reverse, it's it's quiet and it gets louder and louder and louder until you get to the thing itself. And so a prefiguration in the Old Testament, there's a number of them for baptism. So, of course, in the creation story, right, Genesis 1 and 2, the Spirit of God breathed on the water and creation begins. And so that kind of prefigures that new life, that breath of God in us. In Noah, right, eight people are saved through water. Washing, the water washes away the evil of the world, the sin of the world, and these eight people are saved, God's people. And so now in baptism, sin is washed away, and we are saved. The biggest and most famous one in the Old Testament, of course, is Moses. Moses crosses the Red Sea, and by crossing through the water, God's chosen people were saved. And they were saved from slavery to Pharaoh. And so as Christians, you and I are baptized. We, are cro we cross through the water. And so we're saved also. But this time we're saved from slavery to sin. Joshua also crosses the Jordan River with the people of Israel to enter into the promised land. And so now we cross through to enter into heaven, the promised land. By the way, all of those specific references, the creation story, Noah, Moses, and Joshua, are, in the, are referred to directly by the priest when he's blessing the water for baptism. He specifically makes references to those, like at the Easter Vigil when he goes through the blessing of the water. It's really a beautiful prayer you can look up, the blessing of water at the Easter Vigil. In the New Testament, though, there's references to water, and they are important. So Jesus himself is baptized in the Jordan River, not the sacramental baptism, the baptism John the Baptist is doing. Now you know why he's called John the Baptist. He's baptizing, and he baptizes Jesus. His baptism was a Jewish practice of a ritual washing, a, a wish to be starting, to be cleaned, to start again. It was not the sacramental baptism of Christianity yet. But there it is. When Jesus is baptized in the Gospels, when Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is hovering over the waters again, just like in creation. The Spirit of God hovered or breathed on the water. Jesus tells Nicodemus, right? He meets one of the Pharisees. Everybody thinks the Pharisees are all bad guys. Maybe there's a lot of bad guys in the Pharisees. They're, you doesn't mean you're a bad guy to be a Pharisee. They were just guys who wanted to follow the law so strictly they got a little bit lost in the law and not in loving God and loving your neighbor overall. But there were some good guys. There's, in fact, there's two Catholic saints amongst the Pharisees. And Joseph of Arimathea, who's the guy who gives Jesus his tomb, and Saint Nicodemus. And Nick, Jesus speaks with Nicodemus early on in John's Gospel, right? John chapter 3. And he tells, Jesus says, we must be born again. That's where that phrase you hear sometimes from other kinds of Christians say, born again Christians. Well, that's where that comes from. Jesus tells Nicodemus, we must be born again of water and the Spirit. See, now Jesus starts making a reference. And now water is not just used as a prefiguration. Now Jesus is point blank saying, hey, water and the Holy Spirit are going to work together somehow. Jesus references his passion. He talks about his passion in Mark chapter 10 and Luke chapter 12, he says his passion is coming and he calls it a baptism. Oof. Plunging. A plunging in death. You see, he's going to be inundated as well. And finally, when Jesus is 
dies on the cross and his side is pierced by the lance, blood and water flow from his pierced side on the cross. Right, John chapter 19. And John makes a big deal. St. John makes a big deal about saying it was blood and it was water. And then he says there are three who testify, blood and the water and the spirit. Makes a big, big deal. You, if you read it, you'll see what I mean. He kind of makes a very specific reference. Now, after Jesus in the New Testament, there's references to baptism. And now it is the Christian baptism, right? Because it's not the Christian baptism until people tell, right? The, the sacraments, right? I said We said this at the beginning, are visible signs instituted by Christ of invisible grace. Well, he hadn't instituted. He hadn't told them to do them yet. But now he did, right? At the end of the gospel, he says, go do this. So now, after Jesus in the New Testament, you see the Christian baptism. And so, of course, the first one is Pentecost. On the 50th day, then the Holy Spirit comes down, and the, and the, the apostles and our Blessed Mother Mary, and they're there, and they get all this Holy Spirit, and they go out and they start preaching. And all these guys, I think it's 5,000, say, hey, wait, how are you guys talking in all our languages? And what are you doing? Peter says, listen, we're here to tell you about this, this, this guy who was killed. He wasn't just a man. He was God. He was the Son of God. And he was God. And he died for us so that we can be saved. And a bunch of them say, how? And he says, every one of you, you and your children, they are to repent and be baptized. That's in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. And they receive anyone. The, the apostles begin to receive anyone, Jews and Gentiles. Right, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 16. You see that the baptism goes around and starts going to anyone. Because at first they were only baptizing Jews. They were Jews and they were baptizing other Jews. And then they meet these Gentiles who had heard about Jesus and loved Jesus and wanted Jesus in their lives. And Peter says, can we stop these men from being baptized? We can't. And he baptizes them. And that last verse starts talking about something interesting. In chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, it's a very, very holy woman named Lydia. And she's a woman who lived in what we now would call Turkey, right? They called it Asia Minor at the time. She's baptized, but it says she is baptized along with her whole household. And that little detail starts meaning something because it's from that moment that we realize that children start being baptized. Up until then, who did Jesus preach to? Adults. Who did the apostles preach to? Adults. Now, Jesus has a soft, gentle way with children, right? When he raises the little girl from the dead, he says, Talitha kum, right? Little girl, or Talitha kumi, little girl, arise. He's gentle with her. When he sees little by little, and he has children, right? Remember, he sits with children, and he blesses them. And he says, unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus has a soft spot for children. But obviously, he's preaching to adults. They can understand but right from St. Peter, you start hearing about people saying, well, not just me, my whole household. In Acts chapter 16, 31, a little further down in the same chapter, St. Peter's jailer is baptized, and there's that phrase again, along with his whole household. It starts popping up again. And it makes sense, doesn't it? The head of the household decides what is best for everyone. In the Old Testament, when the head of a household believed, then all of the males, even the children, had to be circumcised to mark that they were part of of the people of Israel. Well, it stands to reason that then baptism, the mark of the new people of God, everyone down to the little children have to receive the same sacrament. It also makes sense because if the head of the household decides what's best for the household, 
then why wouldn't they do what's best for their eternal souls, right? I got to make sure I got to feed everybody that I'm in charge of. Why wouldn't I make sure I feed their souls too? And so those are the biblical foundations for baptism. Now, what's the form? So every sacrament has a matter, the stuff, and the form, how you do it. And so the form of the baptism, right, is either full immersion in water. That's the oldest form of it. It's the part that you hear about in the in the in the Bible, where they you see Saint Peter, uh, Saint Philip, excuse me, Saint Philip and the Ethiopian baptized. He goes, "There's water here," and he gets out of his cart. And he baptizes them right there. So traditionally, they baptize them literally, usually the Jordan River, but they literally get out and go into the water and they immerse themselves, usually three times, and they're immersed. Boom, boom, boom. And they say the formula, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Remember that phrase right at the beginning of the episode I read to you. Literally, Jesus says, go baptize in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And the matter, of course, is water and a person who is unbaptized. You can't re-baptize someone. It's a one-time thing. It is such an important and vital sacrament. It marks the soul. We'll get to the mark on the soul later. but So it's done. So you can't baptize a person who's already been baptized. If I... If I take someone who's already been baptized and I baptize them again, it doesn't do anything. I just kind of wet them. And so the first form, or the, the, the oldest form, I guess you could say, is immersion. But there is another form, probably more commonly done. In fact, I bet most of you have seen the other form more than you've seen the first form. The second form is pouring water over the head, sometimes called effusion. And so, or infusion, right? It's pouring the water. With the same formula, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And immersion is referred to in the New Testament in a few places. We already went over that. Large natural bodies of water. But pouring is also ancient. In fact, the first reference dates from around, from before, excuse me, from before the year 100 in the Didache. Didache. D-I-D-A-C-H-E is the way you spell it in English if you want to look it up. Didache. D-I-D-A-C-H-E. And that's the oldest Christian catechism ever written. It's um, a catechism to explain to people, to teach Christians, early Christians, how to, you know, live the Christian life. And it's right from the beginning of the church. And so it's the oldest, oldest Christian catechism ever written. And there's already references to pouring water. And we have accounts also of early Christian martyrs, right? In ancient Rome, go back and listen to the episode on the church in ancient Rome. And they were baptized while they were in prison. There's no rivers running through Roman prisons. In fact, Roman prisons were pretty horrible places. But they were baptized. So clearly they were baptized by pouring. It's also referred to as the way to, to baptize those who are sick and dying. Because bringing them out to a river wouldn't have worked if they were sick. Actually, in 2019, just recently, 2019, in the Church of the Nativity, right, in Bethlehem, the church that marks the spot where Jesus is born, in their baptismal font, while they were redoing the church, they found in the baptismal font, it's a bowl, you know, a regular one, they found a bowl inside the bowl, right? What a holy church. They got baptismal fonts coming out of baptismal fonts. I guess that's a that's an exhibit meme. That's a little bit of an older meme, but it still checks out. I heard you like baptism, so I got a baptismal font coming out of your baptismal font. And they found a really old baptismal font uncovered, and it dates to around the 500s or 400s. And so you see, we weren't always baptizing in rivers or oceans or lakes. We were doing it right from the beginning with pouring water. Well, who can you baptize? Like I said, it has to be somebody unbaptized. And it's an adult who professes their faith in Christ as Lord and God. But you can also baptize a child. 
and an adult answers for them. Well, wait a minute, Father. How can you have faith if you're a baby? Well, obviously you're a baby, but you can have the faith supplied by your parents. What are you talking about? Oh, well, we have references of it, right? Lydia and her whole household are baptized. Peter's jailer and his whole household are baptized. But also, we have out of the Bible, we have references from as early as like St. Irenaeus in the year 180. Origen and Tertullian mention it in the year two, in the 200s, in the early 200s, like two, two, two and change, you know, 206, 205. Tertullian mentions it, Origen mentions it, that infant baptism is normal. They're like, yeah, yeah, we baptize adults, we baptize infants, whatever, do what you got to do. So we can baptize adults and we can baptize infants. And what does baptism mean? Well, it's a sacrament of initiation. There are three sacraments of initiation. Baptism, communion, and confirmation. Over time, I hope to have the episode so that we go over all three. But we're going to start with just baptism today. And they're the, sacra- the sacraments that begin the Christian life. Baptism is the first sacrament. So what does it do? There's a few things, four or five points. One, it means adoption by God as a son or daughter. Right Up until you're baptized, God is your creator. God created you. Of course he did. But at baptism is where he also becomes our father. That's why we say that prayer, that beautiful prayer, our father. Another thing it does is forgiveness of sins, right? Including original sin. You need to, If you want to learn more about original sin, go back and listen to the Mary Mother of Jesus episodes. I think the second of those two episodes, I get more specific about what original sin is. Also, it's the first reception of grace, right? What is grace? A share in the life and the strength of God. And also, it makes us a part of the body of Christ. We're a member of the church now. From the moment you are baptized, you are no longer alone in the world. You are part of the community of believers, stretching back in time and space all the way to the first believers and the people of God. And the last thing I would say is it makes a spiritual mark. In fact, the way the church phrases it is it calls it, the church refers to it as an indelible, unerasable, unremovable, indelible mark on the soul. Only some of the sacraments do that, so they can't be repeated. And so baptism produces an indelible mark on the soul. We are forever marked as chosen by God. Just a nice little reference. There's even a, phys- a part of the baptismal rite where the priest or deacon traces a small sign of the cross on the forehead and on the chest. And so it's a reference to Ezekiel chapter 9, where Ezekiel has a vision. And before the end of the world, God sends out his angels and says, go and mark the letter Tau on the, he- on the foreheads of all the believers. Well, poor Ezekiel. He's just saying, look, I saw the letter T. Tau is now the, the Greek for the letter T. Everybody got a mark of T, the letter T on their forehead. And you think, okay, Ezekiel, buddy, that was a cross. Well, yeah, but Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet, right? Ezekiel's a prophet. He was before Jesus. So so he's just saying, look, I don't know, man. I'm just writing down what I saw. A letter T on everybody's forehead. We, re- we realize after Jesus dies on the cross, oh, it was the Tau. It was the Tau was the cross. Mark us as believers. Now, I want to mention two other types of baptism before we kind of bring to the end, and they're very important. Baptism by blood, and that's that's a reference to those who who do, because it still happens today, and have, because it's happened in the past, died for the faith. This was the baptism by blood was referred to in the very beginning of the church. The first three hundred years, remember it was illegal to be a Christian. And so but you had people who died as Christians before they actually had been baptized, because they were adults learning about the faith. They wanted to be Christian, they were getting ready for baptism, they were found by the Romans and killed. So the church has always respected them, and it's called baptism by blood. But that's not just old. That's not only in the Roman Empire. That happens throughout the history of the church and even until now 
it still happens where Christianity is illegal, and there are parts of the world where Christianity is illegal. So they have been martyred, right, killed for Christ. So they are referred to as being baptized by blood. One of the, my, kind of the nice ones that I really like is St. Alban, England. For anybody in England or visiting England or, you know, listening from England, yeah, St. Alban is referred to specifically as that in one of the earliest histories of the English people. And that he was died before baptism by water and it's described as, yes, but he was washed by his own blood. And then there's baptism by desire. Baptism by desire is a little similar, but a little different. It's those who have followed the will of God as they understood it in their lives. And and they followed it as best they can. It's the people of goodwill who understand God differently. And so if they would have understood about the sacrament of baptism, they would have received it. But since they didn't understand or know about it, then they couldn't receive it. So their desire to follow God's will is itself a form of their baptism. They're a recipient of God's grace. This would include people of other religions or people who are following the light of natural law, right? People who existed before Christianity or before Christianity ever got to them or people who do not know about the sacraments. They'd be considered under those categories. I mean, I suppose you would say that people like our Blessed Mother Mary or or, I mean, she wouldn't need baptism. Again, go back and listen to the episodes on Mary, the mother of Jesus, or St. Joseph, or Moses, right? Or Ezekiel, or any of the prophets of the Old Testament. They would be under the baptism by desire. They weren't actually physically baptized with the sacrament because the sacrament didn't exist yet. And so we're going to finish with a big, the big, great big question people ask. Is baptism necessary for salvation? Well, I just explained some important details to you just the last minute or two, so you probably know part of the answer. The answer is a two-parter. Yes, but uh, also no. <laughs> yes. Yes, is, is baptism necessary for salvation? Yes, for us. It's the beginning of the Christian life. And so if you know about baptism, it is necessary for your salvation. It's the ordinary way God has listed for us to approach him. So yes, baptism is necessary for salvation. However, the catechism of the Catholic Church also says God is not bound by his own sacraments, right? God created the rules of nature, the rules of the church, the laws of nature, the laws of the church, but God is not bound by them. And so God can choose and does very clearly choose to draw people to himself in other ways. There can be, there can be and have been good and, and holy people who have received his grace and they were never baptized. In other words, for me to get to heaven, I need to be baptized. I know about baptism. I know about Jesus. I know about Christ. I know about Jesus. I know about God's love. So therefore, I have to receive baptism. But for someone who doesn't know, who doesn't understand or doesn't believe in it, God is not bound by that rule. So God can reach out to them and does reach out to people. So I just wanted to kind of bring it in, talk a little bit about baptism. Just briefly, there were a number of emails that questioned about baptism. Can you baptize infants? Or why do you not use rivers? Why do you baptize just pouring water? Or where does baptism come from in the Bible? Or how does baptism work? And so I just wanted to cover some of those and answer some of those in one big topic of baptism. Maybe we'll revisit it. I'd love to go through the ritual of baptism, especially the old rite. The new rite is beautiful. It's, but it's it's simplified version, if I dare say so myself. It seems like a simplified version of the older rite. And so I'd love to go through it at some point in the future so that we can go point by point through it. It's really a beautiful thing. Speaking of which, do you know the day of your baptism? Can you find it out? Or when was the last time you attended a baptism? I promise it's worth your time. It won't be a disappointment. 
As always, for any questions or comments or topics, you can email me at a Catholic Priest Talks at Yahoo.com. A Catholic Priest Talks at Yahoo.com. May God give us the light to know His will and the strength to get it done. God bless. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler, and we'll be back with a look at the challenges of parenting right after this. Before the sun rises and long after it sets, while you're waiting in traffic or winding down from your day, when you need us, we're here. Catholic Radio Indy. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back. This week on The Sampler, we're sampling some podcasts about parenting. Next up is an offering from Cameron and Amber O'Hearn's podcast series, Diapers and Disciples. This is encouragement for the weary parent. This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 101. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a family. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and I'm here with documentary filmmaker Karen O'Hearn. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. That's me. I'm a husband. So we're going to go ahead and start with a story. And something happened recently that reminded me of this story. Hey, welcome back, actually. Let me start with that. Hey, where have you <laughs> thanks, been? Thanks for joining me on the podcast. We're going to do an update soon, um, as in a few minutes after oh, I tell yeah, this right. story, uh, so you can hear what we've been Go up right to. Into it. Okay, People here's the story. Um, a few years back, Cameron needed some dental work, yeah. and so he went into uh, the dentist's office. Was it a root canal um, or a crown? I don't remember because I've had a, that year. I had a lot of dental work done. <laughs> But um, I loved this dental office, and I felt like I was home here. felt like everyone treated me the nicest way they could. And, yeah, I loved going <laughs> into this place and really loved the dentist. You know, I like female dentists because they're more gentle. <laughs> and, like, they they feel like a nurse, you know. They're taking care of you. Yeah. Can I, I, wait, I'm, can I do a little side note? Remember yes. when you drove past that place and it was called Gentle Dentistry and you were like, come on, come Why on. did you not call yourself Gentle Dental? <laughs> that would have been a game changer. It would have made millions of dollars. Um, yeah, but if you have a dentist who's a man, I mean, it feels like he's just working on a project and like taking his tools to your mouth. So I liked going to this place. I liked my dentist. I felt like I was home. <laughs> and then uh, Cameron, as you know, when you're at the dentist's office and they're working in your mouth, it can be difficult to respond to their questions well, or to talk to them. They even. pried my mouth open, so I could not close it. <laughs> so, so the so the dentist so. was do, working on Cameron's mouth, and she kept saying things like. 
Oh, it looks like this is going to take a little longer, Brandon. <laughs> okay, Brandon, how you doing? And all I can say is, uh-huh. <laughs> the whole time she called him Brandon. Oh, <laughs> uh, I thought I could trust her. I thought she knew me. <laughs> so the reason... How does that relate? Okay, because I thought of that story... Because recently, Cameron has been working on a Kickstarter project for a documentary that he's going to be doing on uh, the Latin Mass. It's called The Mass of the Ages. And throughout this Kickstarter, Cameron's been doing some interviews on Facebook Live. And maybe we can just like link to those interviews because you have oh, a YouTube channel now. Yeah. And one of the interviews was with um, Scott Hahn. And well, actually, the one the I I know with the connection you're about to make, and okay. the one you're thinking of is uh, Peter Kraft. I think it was one of my first. Ones. Oh, okay, okay. So it was with Peter Kraft, and so so one of the people who sh- like was sharing a bunch of our content shared something like a bunch of you know excited faces emojis and said, "Oh my goodness, I'm so excited for this interview coming up because it had Peter Kraft." And myself. It had like both of our faces and our names. Yep. And so then someone commented <laughs> underneath it something along the lines of, Oh, this looks great, but who's Cameron O'Hearn? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. It was uh it was amazing. I got to interview here intellectual heroes, people I looked up to, and uh I do not I still don't know how I got those interviews. It had to have been King Jesus wanted me to have those interviews. Yeah. Let me just say who you interviewed because it was really exciting. So um, Peter Kraft was your first one. And then Matt Frad. Matt Frad. And then uh, Daria Little. Yeah. And there was Eric Sammons. Eric Sammons. Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. Yeah. And Scott Hahn. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah, I got that question so often. How how did you in, get to interview Scott? I'm like, no, no one knows who I am. It's not <laughs> it's not because of my name at all. Um, so that was incredible. It's because the Lord wanted it to happen. Yeah. yeah, and the Kickstarter fully funded last week, and we hit all three of our stretch goals yesterday when the Kickstarter ended. Mm-hmm. Just been a phenomenal journey. Um, I wonder if in a future episode we'll like go into that more. Yeah. Because that's not really the topic of this episode, but. Yeah. I think what we can do is at least link to the website if people are interested and want to check it out. And um, yeah, because it has been uh, over, like a little over a month long. And I mean, it's been a big part of our life along with another new addition yeah that little to girl. our family ellen so emelda <laughs> ellen emelda ellen is named after little nelly of holy god and um she is the reason why pope saint pius, pius the, the 10th. 10th that's right uh speaking of <laughs> <laughs> I'll you want to go grab her um why pope saint pope pius the 10th lowered the communion age um little nelly was uh four years old and um was with living with religious sisters and she had just a great grasp of jesus and the blessed sacrament 
and would be able to sense even if um, one of the sisters had gone to Mass or not, because she could sense that Christ was still um, within that sister. And uh, so she's named after, our little Ellen is named after uh, little Nellie. Ellen was her baptismal name, and then um, Blessed Imelda, uh, which I think um, more of you are probably familiar with, but um, she was uh, slightly older. I can't remember her age, maybe seven, maybe seven or eight. Um, and she, when she received her uh, First Holy Communion, she died in ecstasy. So our Ellen Imelda is named after two uh, little girls who loved Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And she joined our family at the end of June. And it has been crazy. I was telling Cameron, the more kids we have, the more I regret ever having given advice to other parents <laughs> up to this point. Uh, because it's just, uh, you learn new things with each kid, as many of you know, and uh, all your kids are so different. And um, all of you that have kids that are, 15 months apart or less, I applaud you because, uh, it, this is the first time we've had, uh, two that close and it has been, uh, more challenging, I would say. Um, but it's been a joy and all our kids just love Ellen and, um, especially Faustina, who's, um, a little over a year now. She's, uh, 14 months. And she just loves her little sister. So we are happy and we are tired and we are getting back into the swing of things. I'm really happy. Are you? I am. Okay, that's good. Okay. (laughs) Oops, here she is with the fresh diaper. Thank you, Cameron. I only say say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because it's been difficult. Yeah. Um, I know you're sharing a little bit about that, but find getting back in the swing of things and like there's a certain way you want to operate, run your life. You want to pray in the morning. You want to do homeschool every day. You want the house to not be chaotic, uh-huh. but that's not feasible. Right. And that's difficult. Yeah. And I get stressed out and... Sometimes I take it out on my husband, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just yesterday, actually, I think it was yesterday, yesterday morning when I said, we don't have to go too too much longer on this. I know I'm talking a long time, but um, I woke up in the morning, and things were just crazy, <laughs> and I was uh, feeling like overwhelmed, and we were just jumping into things, and and so I said, I'm just going to take the kids on a drive and go get a coffee. And um, I'm just going to take the kids on a drive and go get a coffee. And they can listen to an audiobook, And I can just have some quiet. Because they're strapped in. They can't go anywhere. Yeah. And the babies will nap. And then I'll listen to Sally Clarkson. Give me some inspiration. <laughs> Shout out to Sally Clarkson. <laughs> you got to get her on the podcast. I know. We've been saying that for a while. Can you guys help us get Sally on the podcast? 
Can you tweet at her? And she's stuff? she's releasing a new book called A Waking Wonder. So I wonder if I can get her to promote her book on my podcast. Maybe. Let's Do it. See. Okay. Do it. So I'm going to read a scripture, kind of set the mood. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to read from DeSales and what he says about the topic. And then I want you to react to it. Okay. Because the thing about having four kids is you can't plan for much. Mm-hmm. Like of what you're doing. So this this podcast is planned very little. And I want uh-huh. to just get your reactions to these things. Okay. okay. This is from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting at verse 10. I have seen the business that God has given to the sons of men to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's mind. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has made it so in order that men should fear before him. All right, switching over to DeSales. The rivers which flow gently through our plains bear barges of rich merchandise, and the gracious rains which fall softly on the land fertilize it to bear the fruits of the earth. But when the rivers swell into torrents, they hinder commerce and devastate the country, and violent storms and tempests do the like. He gives another example here. Flies harass us less by what they do than by reason of their multitude. And so great matters give us less disturbance than a multitude of small affairs. Ooh. Talk to me. Yeah, that's speaking to me. Um, A multitude of small (laughs) affairs. So I have been... That is a great choice. I have been... uh, I would use the word overstimulated by everything. When I come to Amber in the morning, I'm like, what are you, what are you up to today? She just says, I got a multitude of small affairs. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, yep, sounds about right. Yeah. So uh, just because I know many of you can relate to this, but because um, there's a lot of crying and a lot of, hey, mom, look at this. Hey, mom, this. Hey, mom, this. Hey, mom, that. <laughs> and... I'm trying I can to do... only survive like 20 minutes of that and you go all day. <laughs> and I'm trying to do laundry and there's just, and there's stuff everywhere and there's, you know, I'm just, I feel um, overstimulated, overtouched because everyone's touching me, everyone's talking at I'm me. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so I feel just, uh, by the end of the day, I'm like, Whew, okay, I just need a little bit of alone time. And then it's like the the night gets away. Yeah. I mean, it just like goes over so quickly. And then it's like, okay, we're going to bed and we're starting it again. And we're staying up late to try to get in time together. And then yeah. It affects the next morning too. Right. Yeah. And then you're, like you said, you're going to bed. It's like, like I, I think it was two nights ago after we... We watched a show on Netflix and we we're going to bed. We like forgot what day it was. Like, 
we got to just do this again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it feels so, it can feel so monotonous sometimes. I mean, right. much less for me because I, at least in my job, I get to do, I get to do different things and creative things. But for you, it feels like a lot of time you're doing the same thing again and again. Right. Yeah. And we were, we were talking this morning, um, about, uh, something that St. Francis de Sales says. I don't know if you were going to share that quote later too, about, um, the way that we, uh, see success. I, I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, versus the way that God sees success. You want me to read it? Yeah, that'd be great. Great. In all your affairs, lean solely on God's providence, by means of which alone your plans can succeed. Meanwhile, on your part, work on in quiet cooperation with him, and then rest satisfied that if you have trusted entirely to him, you will always obtain such a measure of success as is most profitable for you. Mm, yeah. Whether it seems so or not to your own individual judgment. Yes, yes. Can we just read it again? That last part? <laughs> yes, read that again because I was kind of interrupting. Um, work on in quiet cooperation with him and then rest satisfied that if you have trusted entirely to him, you will always obtain such a measure of success as is most profitable for you. Yeah, because I think <clears throat> how I see success, I just, you know, at the end of the day, things look crazy in the house, and maybe I only, you know, did a little math with the kids today for homeschool. I didn't get what I wanted to accomplish. And it can feel like, Oh, was today even a success? Uh, because it just seemed so crazy and I don't feel like I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. Mm -hmm. But in God's eyes, it was a success because I embraced God's will. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if I embraced God's will and I uh, chose to practice his presence and love him through uh, my work and my labors and loving my kids. So even if it didn't appear like a success to me, it was what God wanted for the day. And as long as I embraced that or tried to embrace that, then it was a success. Do you agree? Yeah. And I think more so than just from an internal perspective, we could talk about, yes, you know, doing God's will and how that's the most profitable thing you can do. But also I think, we're depositing our efforts into our children now, and we're just not seeing the return yet mm -hmm. in most things. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to see the return until they become adults mm -hmm. <laughs> and start making choices. And we're going to see the ways we failed. But more importantly to what we're saying is we're going to see a lot of the ways that we've borne fruit. Mm from day in and day out 52 weeks out of the year yeah just doing the same thing again and again oh that's so good yeah so i i we hope that that's an encouragement to you who are listening as well who are in the same boat as us 
or maybe even in deeper in a water. Boat. <laughs> you're in a better boat than us. You have more little or worse boats running around. Maybe you're in a little canoe. Yep. But that the the small things that your little what was it little bees little flies oh affairs your small affairs oh, are a multitude of small affairs yes so the multitude of small affairs even if you're not seeing any of those fruits and like whatever you do just gets undone in a few seconds later <laughs> um know that you are setting an example of virtue for your kids you are loving them and forming the foundation that's going to that we'll see the fruits of later yeah hopefully i mean our oldest is six so <laughs> <laughs> obviously we're not pros uh is that encouraging for you to hear right now like i feel like you're kind of talking to yourself too i am talking to myself yeah like i'm just thinking of next week you know when i'm still going to work and we still have four kids yeah and you still need to sleep in because you're tandem nursing yeah. you're nursing two two little ones and yeah so what are you going to do about it next week how are you going to you know trust entirely to him yeah that's a good question i think I think if I can remember in the moment, which is hard to do, that um, that this is God's will. And even when everyone's, like, talking at me and touching me, if I can just, like, <laughs> take, a, take a breath. People and- picturing, like, you tandem nursing two kids, like, our other two kids on your feet, and I'm, like, behind you, like, kissing you from behind, like, trying to <laughs> get a smooch from you. Everyone's touching you all day. Oh, gosh. But if I can just remember, like, take a breath in those moments and be able to say to myself, this is how I'm growing in virtue. This is how I respond to this. My kids are going to see and Mm. it's going to impact them. It's most profitable to you. That's what he's saying. Mm. Like, if, if you did today what was directly in front of you, the kind of, as reality presents itself, God's will presents itself, you just do those things. Even if they feel monotonous, it will be most mm. profitable to you. Yeah, that's so good. And I think we can recognize that. I think one example is looking to my mom or to your parents, where they are in their life now. Mm-hmm. Seeing like, oh, that looks, I mean, you know, everyone's busy. Everyone has concerns at different states in life. But you can see how there is some sort of like a finish line in terms of your children growing up. And you're like, you did it. Yeah. (laughs) You You see them living their lives and growing their families. And there's a sense of, oh, yeah, this is our, the, traditions and the values that we instilled in our children are Mm. being passed on and what you wouldn't give to have another day of monotony with your little kids again yeah (laughs) i try and remember that when i can when i hear the 
Hey mom. Hey mom. Hey mom. <laughs> yeah. From across the house. So that I can, because I'm not gonna, you know, several years from now we might not be hearing, hey mom. Hey mom. Hey mom. And so I just wanna, I just wanna love that and embrace it. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm excited for though. What are you excited for? Is when we're retired <laughs> and our kids come over after we've slept in, yeah. after we've gone to mass and we have like donuts with our crew, with our mass crew, other older people. <laughs> yeah. And then we're playing a board game with our family, our kids. Yeah. And I'm reading the newspaper. What are you going to be doing? I want to play board games and read the newspaper. Yeah, I'll probably be reading... A book? (laughs) Just a book. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That sounds fun. Do you have anything else exciting you're you're planning on doing? I don't know. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? Maybe finish all those baby books. You could patch my jeans. (laughs) I could. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) Iron your clothes, finally. (laughs) You're going to be the best dressed best looking old man at daily oh, mass <laughs> <laughs> okay so let, let me read we'll end with this um and if you have any more reactions you can share that at the end but here's what here's like the advice to sales gives okay did you want to say anything just, either i feel like i, I said a lot okay yeah okay yeah i was a comic relief okay <laughs> um <clears throat> And there's a kid crying. Okay. Speaking of, he says, Imitate a little child whom one sees holding tight with one hand to its father, while with the other it gathers strawberries or blackberries from the wayside hedge. Even so, while you gather and use this world's goods with one hand, always let the other be fast in your heavenly father's hand. And look round from time to time to make sure that he is satisfied with what you are doing at home or abroad. Beware of letting go under the idea of making or receiving more. If he forsakes you, you will fall to the ground at the first step. When your ordinary work or business is not especially engrossing, let your heart be fixed more on God than on it. And if the work be such as to require your undivided attention, then pause from time to time and look to God. Even as navigators who make for the haven they would attain by looking up at the heavens rather than down upon the deeps on which they sail. So doing, God will work with you, in you and for you, and your work will be blessed. The end. That's great. Thanks. Uh, I think the the key phrase um, is letting go of the father's hand to try to do more work, to try to get more done. Like, like, I don't have time for this. Or, of course, I can't pause for 10 seconds because, you know, there's this mess or this task that needs to be done. And you're trying to, to drum up more success or do more work. And you're forgetting that that's when you fall. That's when you like. So, do you have any more thoughts yeah, on that? Yeah, that's I know so it's, good. Um, I, it reminds me of also something I read in uh, from St. Teresa of Avila. Um, yeah, she let me said, take that girl. Okay, thanks. 
this was from um, Interior Castle, and she was um, she was talking about prayer, and she said, "Provided that we do not abandon our prayer, the Lord will turn everything we do to our profit." So as long as we have the Lord in mind and are not abandoning Him, everything we do is going to be. He's going to turn everything um, for good. Amen. So, Thanks so much for listening, and thanks for being patient yes. with us. Having four kids, running a Kickstarter. I'm trying to get close enough to the mic. Um, <laughs> we know all, a lot of you are in the similar boat, so mm-hmm. solidarity. Yeah. We got this. <laughs> Thank you all so much, and uh, we continue praying for you in our daily rosary. And um, I'll just go ahead and close us in prayer now. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time this morning to um, to share and to think about you and how you're working in our lives. I pray, Lord, for all those who are listening today that you would um, give them the the grace that they need and um, the peace that they need and the joy uh, to do their tasks and what you have ahead of them today. And Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for our families and we offer this day to you in your holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hi friends, you have been listening to Diapers and Disciples. To find out more about the podcast, you can visit diapersanddisciples.com. You can also visit us on Facebook and Instagram at Diapers and Disciples. To learn more about supporting the show, visit patreon.com slash diapersanddisciples. Thanks so much for listening today. Until next time, God bless. And we'll close this week's sampler with a prayer. Loving God, thank you for the gift of our children. May their ears hear your voice. May their eyes see your presence in all things. May their lips proclaim your word. May their hearts be your dwelling place. May their hands do works of charity. May their feet walk in the way of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Lord. Amen. Until next time, may God bless. Did you miss something in this show or just want to hear it again? Podcasts of this and all our other great local programs are available 24-7 at catholicradioindy.org.